This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah. Sabah al khair. Welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, are you someone who struggles to get people to listen to you? What does it take to command an audience to not only communicate ideas but to influence and persuade? We meet the man who trains Fortune 500 company CEOs, world leaders, presidents, and royalty to do just that. Public speaking coach Kevin Abdurrahman joins me next on Life Beats. You're going to want to hear his tips next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. What does it take to command a room of 10 or a stadium of 10,000 people? How do you get over the fear and anxiety of public speaking? One man has trained CEOs, world leaders, presidents and royalty to do just that. Welcome to the Life Beat Studio, Kevin Abdurrahman. Sabah al khair. Hello. How you doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Booming into the mic first thing in the morning. I love it. Let's go. How are you? I'm good. Now, <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that because it's so interesting watching you uh, online, watching your videos and seeing what you've done before. Um, and a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Were you that really confident kid who would just get up in class and just give presentations and be incredible and nope. amazing and all the other kids would be like, oh my God, I hope it's not my turn next? Nope, I was a total loser. Hate to say this about myself. Are you serious? Yeah, no kidding. At school, I probably had two friends. For, yeah, And at recess, I don't know what they call them here, lunch breaks, I would stay indoors and play cards with my two mates. I don't know if they were mates, but we just played cards. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> true story. Just the two guys that you could find. Pretty much, hanging, any hanging two about. would do, whoever could, yeah. I don't even remember what we were doing, but I spent all of high school doing that. Not confident. I would mumble. I uh, had an ex who would tell me, why are you eating your words? That's just mean. But yeah, it's true. It's true. So what happened? Public speaking or just, yeah, communication. It's a developed skill. And like anyone else, I just spent time doing it. It's, uh, but how did you kind of go from uh, being somebody who ate their words, yep. as uh, she said to Nicely. you very kindly, yeah, very kind, um, uh, to being somebody who is in demand all over the world, yep. and somebody who uh, world leaders call up and say, "I need you to come and help me with this speech." Right. How did that happen? Well, not to sound like a broken record, I think everyone's talking about it. You know, these days everyone's talking about hustle and hard work. Um, it's just, hey, there is a joke, in, you know, with my family. It's a true story. That, um, you know, if you want something done in the house, don't just don't ask Kevin. It's like the whole family's given up. I'm not good at hammering a nail into the wall. That's how bad things are. And everyone's just come to accept it. Uh, but when it came to communication and just uh, thinking, that seemed to be something that I had in me. Like there was traces of talent. And I was like, hey, I'm gravitating to this. Uh, I'd like to work on it. And it's re- literally been the last 20 years. I've been doing this every day. Was so there was there like a moment though where um you know you had to get up and present something or somebody saw you speak and went you know you should do this you should pursue it was there a moment or kinda it started in cafes I'd catch up with friends and yeah we'd have like coffee and muffins back in the days when I was having muffins and um, yeah I you know if people would complain about something I'd be like are you just complaining for the sake of it because if that's what you're doing I'm not gonna say anything I'll let you complain I'll be the shoulder you can cry on if you want some advice 
I've got some thoughts because to me this seems obvious, but perhaps you know, I'm standing outside and I can give you a 3D or a 360 perspective on things. And for the people that were open to the advice, um, I'd give it to them. They'd go and apply it. And after some time, they'd come back and go, hey, this stuff is good. And over time, people started saying, hey, you should start charging for this. And so I did. Make it your thing. Yeah, and so I did. But it was, yeah, this was purely, it was, this is not something, uh, at that point in time, today, people come up to me and go, hey, I'm at university and I want to graduate and I want to be a motivational speaker. That mm. wasn't the case for me. I come from a Middle Eastern family. It was doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, the standard kind of four. You could pay me a million bucks and I couldn't think of the fifth profession I'd want to do. So this really just came about from frustrations and you know, a lot of closed doors and after some time just me being persistent enough and going, this is what I like to do and just taking one step at a time and then I ended up becoming a motivational speaker. That's incredible. And yeah. now, of course... Didn't know the job existed. Yeah, well... I didn't. 20 years ago, it wasn't a big thing. I think pretty much... Mm. Um, Tony Robbins was about the only guy who was doing it. And he's still a giant. And he's, he's the man. He is the, the man, man, right? Yeah. He's incredible. Uh, but, you know, like you said, 20 years ago, that wasn't a job yeah. that people could aspire to do. Mm. Uh, but in everyday life, we do need to be able to speak, to communicate, to influence, and to persuade. True. So tell me about how you do that now with the people that you see. Yeah, so I work with uh, CEOs, world leaders, presidents, and royalty. Uh, they are the kind of people who are in important positions, mm. who've worked extremely hard, are very talented, mostly hard workers. You know, they, they do a lot of things that people don't see, but they get to a place of position where you know, they're leaders in their field and they have to lead teams and they're the face of the brand and they could be representing a private company or you know, a government agency. And they get to a point where they go, oh, there's this thing of communicating yeah, I know what I'm thinking about and I know what I need to do. But now that I'm in this position, most of my time is spent communicating. Mm. And I don't know how to do it well. Yeah, Those are the ones that are actually aware. We have another challenge in this day and age, which is overconfidence. People who feel like, oh, just because I'm confident and I can just blab on for ages, I'm good. No, not at all. No. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear anyone no, blabbing no, 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 on no, no, for no, ages. No, no. And unfortunately, yeah, that's that's an, a different challenge. But most people realize, hey, like any skill, this is a skill that I've overlooked or I tried to avoid. And in the past, you could avoid it for as long as you could. And I've got some stories for you. Oh, you have to tell us. Yeah. Um, but now we live in a day and age where you can't avoid this. You're expected to communicate. So it's not whether you want to or not. If you're in a leadership position, you are expected to communicate. Mm. And every time you communicate, your reputation is on the line. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. It. I have an expectation that you as a leader, you're going to communicate and you're going to do so well. And if you don't do it, right after your radio interview or TV interview or you know, you've stood up and spoken to an audience, it either goes up or down. And this happens every time. And it's that moment. You only have a moment That's right. to make that impact. Never judge a book by its cover. And yet we do. Exactly. We do. And it's, you know, those first couple of minutes, that's it. Boom. You've either got your audience or you've lost them. That's right. And now we, we live in a day and age where not only do you need to get your audience, which is a technique, as soon as you get on stage or when you're at an interview or you're in front of a camera, you need to get the audience. But now we're facing an audience that's constantly distracted. Beeps, dings, emails, you know, kids, food, whatever. You need to be able to keep their attention. Yes, yes. We're going to be talking about that 
and so much more. Kevin Abdurrahman is here with us in the studio, uh, somebody who trains people all over the world on how to speak publicly. We're going to be hearing his tips next and some uh, amazing stories about some of the people that, that you've managed to help. Uh, going through, I want to go through the excuses next of uh, what people tell you. Uh, why they can't do it. This is amazing. Uh, more to come on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. With war looming, you've saddled this nation with a voiceless king. You've destroyed the happiness of my family, all for the sake of ensnaring a star patient you couldn't possibly hope to assist. It'll be like mad King George III. It'll be mad King oh, I got, I got the, yeah. George the Stammerer. Who let his people down so badly in their hour of need... What are you doing? Get up! You can't sit there! Get up! Why not? It's a chair. No, it, that is not a chair. That is... That is, that is St. Edward's chair. People have that carved their names on it. chair is the seat on which every king is held and in queen... by a large rock. That is the stone of Schoon. You are, are trivialising oh, everything. You trivialise... I don't care how many royal Listen to me! Listen to me! Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? By divine right, if you must. I am your king. No, you're not. You told me so yourself. You said you didn't want it. Why should I waste my time listening? Because to you? I have a right to be. Oh, and I have a voice. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, yes you, you do. do. That is, uh, of course, from the King's speech, and kind of perfect, really, uh, when we talk about uh, that fear of public speaking. It's like the the movie, um, you know, where we see somebody going from who's stuttering, stammering just completely destroyed self-confidence inside to being able to finally be able to give that address to an entire nation. Yep. So, and this is what you do. Change the course of history. It really did. Kevin Abdurrahman does uh, something very similar with a lot of people. Um, Tell me about the kind of things, uh, the kind of fears that present with the clients that you see. There's all kinds. I mean, I, I break public speaking to two aspects. So you've got your inner game and you've got your outer game. Mm. The inner game is the psyche. And, um, you know, we had this earlier when we were speaking just before we came on air. Um, if you have the fear of speaking or you're, you're not feeling comfortable to do it, the chances are you're having certain thoughts in your head. And those thoughts are most probably self-centered. The best analogy or the best thing I, I work when, when I'm using with clients, I go, think about your favorite teacher. You know, we've been taught by tens of teachers, if not hundreds of teachers growing up. There's only one or two teachers that really stand out. Mm. Now, if you think about it, and I I usually pressure my clients to really think about what made their teacher stand out. And it could be things like, oh, they were caring. They spoke to me in my language. They didn't make me feel stupid. You know, and a few other things, you know, they were. But when when I press and I press and I press, they come to the realization that the teacher didn't care about themselves. The teacher cared about them, their audience. In that case, it was that individual as a student. This fear or you know, having this consciousness or not being able to get up and speak or present, whatever the size, whether your audience is 5, 50, or 500, it's because it's self-centered. It revolves around you, your ego. 
if you were to put yourself in the place of your teacher and think like your teacher, where every time you're standing up to speak or you're presenting or you have something to communicate, you're doing it because you want to make sure that the audience receives the right message, you will soon see that fear dissipate. Mm. And this is what you, you tell uh, the people that you work with One as of well. many things, yes. One of many things. One of many things. Um, uh, what... What's amazing is that we make a lot of excuses. Oh yeah, for why we can't get up and speak in front <laughs> of a group of people. You've got an amazing story to tell with that. Uh, plenty. So the one that I shared with you off air, which I'll share on air now, was um, I was called in by the HR manager uh, to work with the CEO of a publicly traded company. He was in position for eighteen months. So I got in, spoke. You know, we 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 spoke, and after a few minutes, he was relaxed, and I asked him, "Hey, before we start." Why have you hired me now, considering you've been in position for 18 months? And his answer, you can't make this up, was uh, I've run out of excuses. I've used up all the excuses I can. And so when I pressed a little bit to find out what kind of excuses he made, the one I'm, I'll share with you was the fact that his PA at one stage said, hey, you have a, a speaking requirement and you need to do it, say, 6 p.m. in two weeks' time. He would actually go and book a holiday or a break where he could have the excuse that he will be out of the office or out of the country, and hence he will be unable to deliver the speech. Then there were all the other times where... I love that it was 18 months worth of excuses. Amazing, yeah. I mean, he had plenty. That's astonishing. He was using his HR manager, the marketing manager, every other manager to go and represent the brand. But why? Why? What was the fear? Once you started working with him, what was he so afraid of? It's amazing. He was a confident person. He was a confident and competent CEO. That's why he was CEO. And he did fine in the boardroom. He did fine when working with his team. He just had this mental block when speaking to a large audience, especially if it was an audience that was out of the company. And we worked through it like anything else. Everyone's different. Mm. We all have our kind of set of limitations or thoughts. And it's critical to make sure that with each person you're working based on their requirements. Yeah. And his was just um, one which is very common is what if things go wrong or what if I forget? And, you know, what if I say the wrong thing? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But what if you say the right thing and, you know, then it turns around all kinds of opportunities for you? What's amazing is once you realize you can't escape it, the sooner you get onto this, the better. And what a lot of professionals that I work with realize is the fact that they've developed and they refine their communication skills, opportunities open up. Now they don't fear going on the radio. They don't fear getting on TV. Mm. They don't fear getting on stage to speak because they realize it's not a chore, oh, I have to do this, which was what they thought before we worked together. Now it's an opportunity, an opportunity for them to um, show their brand in the best possible light. If you have a vision as a leader and you want to be able to achieve something, you want to get as many people to buy in. You want to get as many people on board. So every opportunity you have to be able to do so Boom. Yeah. You know, when they You've call got you to take it. Yeah. You've got to take and it. And when you have the skill to capitalize on it, you're winning. Coming up next, we need to talk about the power of storytelling. 100. <clears throat> uh, and uh, how do you do that? How do you put together a story? Okay, you have something that you're passionate about, that you want to speak about, but how do you tell the story effectively and get over those fears that you might have? We've got a lot to talk about with uh, Kevin Abdurrahman next on Live Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. 
Yes, we are back with Kevin Abdurrahman and we are talking all things to do with public speaking, with getting over that fear and uh, how to tell a good story. Kevin, in terms of the kind of people that you've worked with, you've worked with everyone, but, um, you know, give us a, a couple of examples of people um, who have just kind of gone from being completely terrible, let's just say, to being able to give a speech. Because we've we've gotten a question, and this one is coming from Leila. She's, uh, she heard the, the, the King's speech, mm-hmm. um, uh, the clip, and she's asking about whether you can actually do that with people with a stutter or with any other kind of uh, fear and get them to actually deliver a speech. Do you do that? 100%. Um, I'll give you an example. I worked with a lady who um, represent, she was representing a government agency for the country. Her task was to go to a foreign country and deliver a keynote session. She has a communication team like all government agencies do, and still I was called in. When I turn up, I'm like, okay. She walks in with lots of paper. Obviously, they had typed out a whole heap of I don't know, there was like 20, 30 pages worth of notes. I'm like, okay, you can begin. And within about, I think it was five minutes, probably. Yeah, that's about five minutes. I'm like, stop. You've paid me already. You deserve an open response. And that's the nature of what I work is. We establish trust from the beginning that I'm going to tell you how it is. Because we live in a culture today where it's difficult to get honest feedback. If you're a leader, your people will not tell you, will not give you honest feedback. Hey, did I do well? Yeah, clap, clap, yeah. clap, clap, clap. They could be clapping for you to get off stage. You don't know. Right? <laughs> so in this case, I, I was like, hey, you paid me, and it's my job to be honest because we're here to get results. That's why you called me. This is rubbish. Throw it out. Oh, but me and my communication team, we worked on this. I have to go next week. Sure, it doesn't matter who you worked with. Fire your communication team while you're at it. Like... This is going to be rubbish, and you don't want to deliver a rubbish keynote. Well, you can't deliver it because you're hardly reading what you've written. So we have a problem. But I worked with this lady for two days. Like, it was two intense days. At the end of it, she travels. She, I think she ended up going to Japan, and she represented the government agency. She went from not being able to read her notes to delivering a 20-minute keynote session, no notes. In On two days? That, in two days. Not bad, huh? That's, I've heard that people can do it within weeks, but two days. I'm good. <laughs> well, all right then. Yeah. And, and it was so good that there was a key member in the audience, which she was unaware of, who saw that speech and said, hey, you know what? You should become the ambassador and deliver this keynote speech all over the world representing our government agency, which that's what she ended up doing. That's incredible. Yeah. That's having a skill. Yeah. It was powerful. Yeah, exactly. And so that's... Uh, you know, two things that, that you're talking about, you know, the inner game and the outer game right. and getting all of those um, together. But what would you say is kind of like the, the biggest thing? We, we don't have time to go through everything that you did with her. But what would you say is the biggest thing that she learned that got her there? Uh, a key thing that I taught her and I teach a lot of leaders is learn to tell stories. We tend to as leaders because of who we are, the positions we are in, we get all serious. We are all facts and figures, and sure, these are all very important because if you're a leader and you're leading a team or you're, you're leading your company or government agency, these are important things. Mm. But when you're communicating, you need to understand. We don't communicate in facts and figures. Right? We communicate in pictures, movies, stories. Let me tell you how significant stories are. There were two guys 
who wanted to test the hypothesis because we hear this, you know, people saying, tell stories, it's important to tell stories. Well, two guys actually wanted to see, is this really an important thing? Do we have to tell stories? Does it add desirability? Does it add value? Does it add significance? So what they did was they went to thrift stores and garage sales and bought 200 items. Average price was about a dollar. And then they got some creative writers to write a story for each toy or item. Then they put these items on eBay. There was a, a paper globe which they bought for $1.49. That ended up selling for $197.50. That's huge. That is ridiculous. $1.49, this item, nothing changed except for a story and sold for $197.50. Now, I know the skeptics will say, hey, maybe this was a special item. Like, you know, it was a one-off. Well, the 200 items, they were bought for a total of $129. Collectively, they sold for over $8,000. That's like over 6,000%. So, And the only difference was each item had an accompanying story. So yes, storytelling does add value. It wow. does add desirability. It adds significance. It has significance. So if you're standing up, like, you know, if you have to stand up in a boardroom and speak, you're presenting to your peers, or you have to stand up and speak to an audience, you need to ask yourself, what's the message I have? And what story can I tell to deliver my message with significance? That is just the key question, isn't it? Because that's how you grab your audience. 100%. You have to have that story. Yeah. Because that's that's the bit that is unforgettable. When you think about, you know, great speeches or whatever, somebody's told a great story. Yes. And that's what you remember. And the great thing is, if you can tell your stories, great. But you can tell other people's stories. So I, it could be a story that you share with me, and I retell the story. The great thing is when we tell stories, it becomes ours. Right. You, it, it, there's ownership that comes into that as well, just from you telling it. 100. And if you are passionate about it, then, you know, you bring yourself to it as well, even though it's not your story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love that. We're going to um, come back in just a moment uh, with Kevin Abdurrahman, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, his tips. If you have to give a speech, if you have to give a presentation, mm -hmm. What would be your uh, number one tip in terms of getting people out there and being able to deliver and tell their stories in a way that is going to be captivating and engaging? We on? Shall we do it now? We're going to do it next. Let's do it. On Life Beats Boom. on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa Only on Pulse95. 95. 95. And more with Kevin Abdurrahman. We are uh, talking everything public speaking. Um, okay, so there's a lot that we've uh, talked about here. But, you know, going into a little bit more depth in terms of uh, what you should be thinking about. What are, what are those tips that you have for people who, when they want to go out onto the stage and don't want to have that stage fright... Uh, what would be your tips for them? Every morning in Africa, the lion wakes up. It knows it needs to be faster than the gazelle in order to survive. Every morning in Africa, the gazelle wakes up. And it knows it needs to be faster than the lion in order to survive. Now, whether you're the lion or the gazelle, when the sun comes up, you better be running. All right. That's an example of starting with impact. Most people start with, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, welcome. I'm glad to be here. 
And most people have attended talks, events, conferences where they've heard this and this is an automatic cue for them to go into a coma. I used this as an example of the, you know, the, the analogy of the um, lion and the gazelle. One, you'll remem remember it. And two, my topic when I was delivering this keynote session was on being competitive and the fact that we live in a competitive world. So it was in line with what I wanted to say. I started with that and then I said, hey everyone, my name is Kevin Abdurrahman. Mm. Right, so you need to be able to get people's attention. That would be my first tip. Yeah. The second thing is understand how much time you have and whether you're doing an interview on the radio, on TV, um, you're on stage or you're presenting in the boardroom. When you're up there, you need to ask yourself, what's the reason I'm here? When you ask that question, then you got to remember one message. One message. This is a mistake most people do. Hey, I have five minutes. I will say 17 things. No. One speech, one message. One presentation, one message. One interview, one message. Why? Because people will not remember what you have to say. You're lucky if they remember one thing. So make sure that you deliver your message in such a way where if they forget everything else, they remember your message. I think people are afraid sometimes um, they're going to bore the audience with that one message. So they think I'm going to, you know, put this in and put that in and put this in as well because and, and, and have this PowerPoint, which is completely useless in there as well. And, and then you just kind of bombard your audience. You're vomiting on people. I want you to have this image, literally. And this is what people do is you're vomiting on people. Now, oh, as a human being, no one appreciates being vomited on. Well, guess what? Your audience are just like you. You don't appreciate being vomited on. Don't vomit on people. Yes, it's out of fear, out of anxiety. I might not have enough to say. But if you're going to go and ramble and have 15 points, your audience are going to walk away not remembering anything. Mm. They won't remember you. That's worse than being a bad speaker. Yeah. It's better for you to go in with one message and you say it a few times. But I tell you what, at the end of it, if they remember, they go, hey, Kevin spoke and he said that we live in a competitive world and it's important for us to be running because if we don't do that, we'll be the gazelle. No one wants to be the gazelle. Exactly. It's just one point. It it's is that on point boom. and that's it. And it could be 45 minutes, but it revolves around that one point. You forget everything else. You remember the point I made. A lot of the great speakers also um, talk about uh, the whole idea of um, it's not what you say. It's how you make people feel mm -hmm. when you speak, when 100. you communicate. Um, and it's about changing state. Yes. You know, changing uh, your own state to get into that, you know, place of confidence. Yes. Um, where you're going to be an impactful speaker. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? You know, are there, do you, what do you do before you get onto a stage? Are there, because I know people like Tony Robbins, they do physical exercise. Okay. He's literally jumping up and down on a trampoline. Yes. Um, and, you know, he has his his zone. Yes. Yeah. He goes into his zone. He's got his headphones on. He listens to his own thing, whatever it is, yes. he's jumping up and down, mm -hmm. and then he does that, you know, that that thing where, like, you know, the fist is up in the air, and then he will get onto the stage. Everyone has their thing, and the key is you find out what's your thing. For me, it's hip hop and gangster music. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> in my other life, I must have been a rapper, not in the this hat life. The says it all, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find what's good for you, and so I find I found out, no jokes, but one of my clients uh, likes Coldplay. So every time before an event, before he needs to go up and speak in his position, he listens to the, to a specific Coldplay music. 
See, do you know what? I'm thinking Coldplay. I'm thinking Clocks is perfect for that Coldplay song. The key is what's good for you. Because what's good for me might not work for you. Right. I was working with another lady whom I found out, you know, while we were working, that every time her son came up, she would just have this amazing glee about her. Mm. So I told her, hey, what you can control, you're going to have your phone with you the whole time anyway, is make sure your son's picture is on the wallpaper so that before you have to get up to speak while they're introducing you, Click it, look at your son's picture, and go up there knowing that you're in the zone. And most important of all, most important of all, care for the audience. It's not about you. Yes, I know. If you go up on stage and you're going to speak and you have to present, subconsciously we feel, oh, me, how am I going to do? Is it going to be all right? What if I forget? That's wrong. You want to be natural. You want to be confident. You want to be authentic. That's what people want. Care for the audience. Mm-mm-mm. I care about making sure I deliver the message right for them to understand, for them to remember. You're right. If I make mistakes, it doesn't matter because it's not about me. I might be on stage, but it's about the audience. Yeah, yeah. Just think about them. 100%. And one more tip. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just as you start with impact, you you must make sure that your final words are remembered. So close with power. You will notice this if you look at you know, presidential campaigns. If you look at some YouTube videos, you will notice every single one that's good always ends up closing on a high. They close again with their message. Because if you forget everything in between, you might remember the first and you might remember the last thing that's said. So don't close with a thanks. <laughs> like, geez, that was boring. It's like such a letdown, isn't it, when somebody says it that? Is. Yeah. yeah, you might as well, you know, close with something powerful. Yeah. So that should be a few tips that if someone has a presentation tomorrow, they can apply. Do you want to close with something powerful? Give us an example. Go on. The 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 name escapes me. I'm going to paraphrase this quote. Um, I've just put him on the spot, so that's why. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. He needs a moment to think. Go on. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of this quote. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it, but. If I was to say it, it would be that the the biggest um, mistake people make is thinking that the communication has actually happened, right? When in actual fact it hasn't. It's the illusion that communication has happened, and that's what most of us are facing these days. Is we have the illusion that we're communicating with impact, that we're speaking to influence or we're speaking to inspire. When in reality, it's a skill, and this skill, like any skill, needs to be developed and constantly refined. Boom. I think, uh, yeah, we need a mic drop now after all of that. Booyah. <laughs> Kevin Abdurrahman, what an absolute pleasure. That was amazing. That was brilliant. Will you come back? 100%. Thank yeah, you. It was more. too short. Yeah, it was too short. Too exactly. Short. We need more of this. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.